You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. The NHL season is officially over. It was actually officially over before our last episode, but we recorded before Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. The Tampa Bay Lightning have won back-to-back Stanley Cups, now the second team to do so in the salary cap era behind the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we're officially all in the offseason. All 31 teams, soon to be 32 teams in the NHL, are now in the offseason. So with that comes some crazy offseason rumors. And for one, this past week, Vladimir Tarasenko was rumored to one out of St. Louis. So we'll definitely talk about Vladimir Tarasenko and whether or not he is a good fit for the Pittsburgh Penguins and whether or not there is a trade to be made for the Pittsburgh Penguins for Vladdy. After that, we have a great interview coming up with Jordan from the Helmet Hair podcast, as well as the Yin's Hers podcast. We have a good 25 to 30 minutes there just talking Pittsburgh Penguins and a little bit about her story as well. And then we'll finish it off how we finish every Monday episode off with our weekly Pens poll. A really fun Pens poll for this week. We got a variety of answers, so I'm excited to jump into that. But Horwat, let's start it all off. With Vladimir Tarasenko, you wrote a story for 93.7 The Fan, kind of keying in on all of the particulars about this. It was initially reported by Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic that he put in for a trade request. And it's not really that much of a surprise seeing as where the St. Louis Blues and Vladimir Tarasenko currently stand in their relationship. But Jeremy Rutherford also listed the Pittsburgh Penguins as one of the possible destinations for Tarasenko citing that he was also upset with St. Louis because a variety of reasons, most of them surrounding his shoulder surgeries that were done, the first two at least, were done by the team physician, and the third one, he did it kind of on his own, which is now where he believes it is fully repaired. But he was also upset about being put in the net front and the Blues power play and some other things that he was upset about. But Horwat, before we get into whether or not he would actually help this team, you know, actually, let's start there. Would he help this team? I think anyone who can who can regularly put up 70 points can help any team. That's kind of the long and the short of, the, of an answer, of a question and an answer like that, because at any point, if a guy can go out and put up 70, that's helpful. If Teddy Bluger can go out and put up 70, that's helpful to your team. It doesn't matter 
where they play in the lineup or what kind of uh, position they play. Uh, but for Tarasenko, it's hard because he is coming off of two straight years with an injury as well as um, some not fun times in St. Louis for him. So it's it'll, ve- it'll very much just depend as to if it can help. It would definitely help, but it's just a matter of finding the right chemistry then. The St. Louis Blues are in a very weird situation with Tarasenko in, in that, yes, they mutually have basically agreed to part ways and the St. Louis Blues are actively looking for a trade partner, but there's also a 10-team list that he has to give them, which already you know shrinks how many people that he can go to. And then there's also the fact that he does have a pretty expensive contract with 7.5. He does need to get paid 9.5 in base salary this year. So it's $2 million more than a salary cap hit. And then there's also the fact, as you mentioned, the last two seasons haven't been that great, and he's coming off of three straight shoulder shoulder surgeries. So there's a lot of factors to play into what he would even be worth. But I also agree that depending on his injury, he could be a very big help to the Pittsburgh Penguins these next couple seasons. Yeah, Mike, so you said there's the 10-team list. Because he requested one, does that... I know, like, I know he's got a base, no trade, like, no team, like, no list at all. Mm-hmm. But I guess if he requests one, he's like, hey, here are the teams I'd be willing to go to. I feel like if you request a trade, it should just be, hey, we're going to send you anywhere. That's just my thoughts on it, because you're the one requesting a trade out of this team. You're putting the ball in our court. We're not going to be mm-hmm. handcuffed because we want to get you out. I don't know. It just yeah. seems dumb for a player to be like, "Hey, I want to go to. I want to go somewhere else. Here are the four teams that I want to go to. No other teams. Because if you can't get a deal I, done with those four teams or those ten teams in this matter, then what do you do? You're screwed again. You're back in the same situation you were in. I feel like if you're gonna request a trade, it should kind of null and void every clause you have. But this is just me nitpicking, you know, contracts that I know nothing about. But yeah, in situations. I, I also. F- Go ahead. Yeah, just in situations. Like, I know nothing about these situations. I don't even have the athletic anymore, so I couldn't even read the whole thing. I just kind of saw the headline and said, yep, yeah, nope, that's a thing that uh, the Penguins can be involved in. So I don't know much about the details, but if he's give, but if it's a 10-team 10, 10 list, um, if you're not uh, the Blues GM, do you not contact all of those teams? You probably do if you're Armstrong. And here's the thing. With the no move, no trade clauses, that's the risk you take when you sign a player like that. The risk you're taking is that he wants to stay there regardless, and he's going to play there and want to play there throughout that contract. That no move clause is all benefit to the players, which is why in some instances it's hard for players to get those kinds of clauses put in their contract. So Vladimir Tarasenko has a lot of leverage here, and that's why I think his his value could be driven down a little bit because the Blues don't have much leverage. Do you keep a guy that has actively asked to leave that you have mutually agreed that it's not working anymore and you only have 10 teams that he can go to? It's already handcuffing you a little bit. So I feel like that's why the price cannot be that high. I understand that the guy has scored 70 points. The guy has scored 40 goals in this league. The guy has consistently put up 30 prior to that shoulder injury. But at the same time, if you look at the current what's going on the last two seasons, what's going on with his contract, he can't cost as much as you would hope to get out of a Vladimir Tarasenko trade. No, and especially coming down the last two years of his deal, it's not like 
know, who's to say he goes to a team and doesn't resign? I mean, any team he goes mm-hmm. to is also now running that risk. So it can't be much again. And if he gets traded, I think the I mean, the clause travels with him. There's no trade clause, so it does. If he doesn't like it there, well, you're stuck again. Or if he plays bad, you're stuck again with seven five against the cap. If, unless well, our, there's some, of course, unless there is some retention. But again, we're just playing as is right now. Yeah. Um, so it's always a risk with a player like that. He's 29 though, and I feel you feel like he's been around forever in a day, but. Um, being on the proper side of 30, for the time being at least, he turns 30 in December, um, is at least helpful. He's younger, mm-hmm. younger, you know, he's getting into that latter stages of his prime time of his career. So for 7-5, I mean, it's worth the shot, but again, you got to make sure the deal is right. You got to make sure he is healthy and can return to form, and you don't want to handcuff yourself. There's a lot of variables that are going into it. Mm-hmm. For the price that he would cost, we talked a couple weeks ago about a possible Matthew Kachuk deal because he could possibly be on the trade market as well. Considering how much less Vladimir Tarasenko is going to cost, if he can come back, recover, and be 75% of what he was a couple of years ago, it's a good move. It is a grade A move. And of course, you got to see what you give back and and you got to see what you're giving up. But if he can recover to be 75% of what he was, I'm pretty sure most of what you're going to give up is not going to matter as much as what he's going to do for your team next year and the year following, because that also falls right in line with kind of this window for the Pittsburgh Penguins last off season. It was, Hey, you have this year and next year and next year being this upcoming one. And now you're like, okay, if you bring in Tarasenko for two years, give up, who knows Pedersen, we'll get into it. It's something like that. I think it's perfect. And, and honestly, he screams of getting Malkin winger to me. Oh, oh, two two Russians. That sounds It's easy. It's I mean, it's a lazy comparison, but it's Absolutely. Easy. It's you're sticking two Russians next to each other and that's automatically there's a little something. Um you kind of feel bad for whoever the hell's got to play the left wing on that line, but um it's interesting because Malkin's never here's the interesting thing about Gino's career here is He's never had, as far as I can remember at least, other than Gonchar, which is the easy one, he's never had like a long-term Russian partner on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was good we had Gonchar during Malkin's formative years. Really helped him uh, develop into a player and as a person in America, whereas now he's, he's kind of on his own. And you wonder if he gets a little of that homesick because there's no one else there speaking his language you know i mean there has been people guys in and out i mean i'm just trying to remember some names but i can't i can remember plotnikov for like a hot minute you know kovalev for the hottest of seconds for you know half not even half a season but he's never really had that good you know russian born russian speaking um you know teammate since gonchar so even if something like that can like boost a little morale in the latter stages of Malkin's career, it's something. It's something new. Tarasenko clearly can go out and play, you know, can play well um, with a St. Louis Blues team. So getting in there, I mean, have those two played? I'm assuming they played on the Olympic team together, right? In World Cup. 
I'm not sure, considering the last time that Malkin played any international hockey was the World Cup in 2016. I would imagine Tarasenko was on that team. I'm not exactly sure because I don't. I know we saw it live, but I don't. I don't quite remember that I entire know, that's roster. Just kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, international yeah. play. The Penguins' roster situation would be interesting then, if you mentioned the fact that Tarasenko would be on Malkin's right side because Kasperi Captain plays the right wing. There's nothing wrong with moving Kapanen up to play with Crosby and putting Brian Rust down on the left side and having Rust, Malkin, Tarasenko. And I know, obviously, putting cart before the horse here, but having a top six of Gensel, Crosby, Kapanen, Rust, Malkin, Tarasenko, and then thinking about the players you have left to put in your bottom six is, is pretty spot on, especially if the Penguins end up moving on from Jason Zucker. That gives you a little bit more space to sign some of those bottom six guys back. But... That's what's fun about this offseason. Right now, it is so fresh, so new. There's so many moves that could be made. There's so many things that could not happen. And Tarasenko is just another kind of kind of red flag there of another possibility for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And let's get into what we would trade for him after you mentioned uh, the 2016 World Cup of Hockey team. Russia. Yeah, they played together twice on the Olympic team, and okay. at least twice on the Olympic team in 2014 where that team finished fifth because that was a wild olympics where america and russia both didn't do well mm-hmm. and then 2016 world cup where russia again finished fourth malkin has not had a ton of success in international play let's tell it like it is it's that sucks for <sighs> him man yeah it, it it's been kind of rough for for the team russia or, or the russian athletes or whatever it is ha- it has been for the past half decade or at least the entire time that Evgeny Malkin has has been a member of that team so you hope that maybe in 2022 he gets the opportunity but let's get into what you would trade for Vladimir Tarasenko I mean we mentioned he has two years left at 7.5 million dollars AAV he has a 9.5 million dollar base salary for this season and of course his value has been plummeted by his injury history with three shoulder surgeries in the past two seasons but I mean, our friend Doug Gladkey, friend of the show, did say maybe Marcus Pedersen. There's a lot of cap there that can help offset the salary cap coming in from Vladimir Tarasenko. There might also be retained salary. For me, you're not giving up more than two assets for Vladimir Tarasenko if you can get him. I get that he could be a lot of high reward for you, but I'm not putting a lot of risk in there. I would trade... Probably Pedersen, that's a good trade piece that moves the needle as far as salary cap goes. And then maybe a second round pick, maybe either a second or a third round pick. That's what I would say and see if literally if Armstrong takes it, that means he had no better offers. If he declines it, then somebody else can overpay for Tarasenko because I don't want to overpay and take that risk on a guy that could be really good if you watched him in the playoffs. His two goal performance in game four against Colorado looked pretty good but if he's not the same you don't want to overpay for a 29 year old with shoulder issues also uh you mentioned a second second or a third round pick let me tell you how we just don't have that uh yeah that's we don't have the third we don't have a third until 2023 so unless st louis is willing to take that third that third round pick Mm. that's not going anywhere uh and we have all of our seconds but again for this year that's all. That's our first pick of the draft, and our only pick until the fifth round. <laughs> and then there's 
And then that, that third round pick is the only one we're missing in 2022 for now. Obviously for, well, it's Hextall, not Rutherford now. So who knows? Maybe we hold on to all those. Yeah. Ron Hextall has a much higher priority placed on draft picks than Jim Rutherford did. So you, you never know. You probably don't see him trade. You definitely don't see him trade as many draft picks, but who knows if he's willing to part with them. I mean, he parted with two to get Jeff Carter in here. Yeah, one of them was different, I guess. But as for what I'm parting with for a trade like this, it's just difficult because St. Louis can afford a lot. They have $17 million in space. Now, granted, they have a one, two, three, four, five RFAs to tender, to tender contract to. Um, one of them's probably getting traded anyway. So don't got to worry about once They have to deal with four people, and it just depends on how much they want to pay guys like Barbashev, Zach Sanford, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas. All those guys sound like people they'd want to keep around for a little bit longer, I think. Whereas Vince Dunn might be out the door, but if not, you got to give him some sort of offer here, and he's going to probably demand the most money. They have $17 million in space to do that with. Um... So who knows if they're willing to take on a big contract of ours as well. If we have to throw a, hey, take a Mike Matheson from us. Or mm. even if it happens soon enough, there's um, Zucker in there. Here, here's Zucker for 5-5, five, five, also with two years left. You're kind of losing $2 million in space. You're gaining $2 million in space to pay your guys that you have to. And the contract ends at the same time anyway. So there's that. A lot of moving parts to it, but you know, I it probably all falls down to Marcus Pedersen because um, Colin Pareko has got a year left and the UFA. If St. Louis doesn't fix its stuff, I mean, who knows if the stars want to stay there? Really, I mean, if Tarasenko's leaving, you'd think he was the stalwart to stay, right? Because I'm no, probably Ryan O'Reilly. But he, he, but. Ryan O'Reilly's not like a drafted staying there. This is O'Reilly's yeah. third team, and you know, yeah, he's the captain. But he's also got two years left and is at thirty years old. So, you know, who knows what you really want to do with that? Uh, but yeah, maybe you give him a Pedersen and say, "Here's a s- steady, could probably be on your second line." Oh, that's right, they have Folk and Krug locked up forever and ever. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, no, you stick you stick Patterson on that second line, on, the, on their defensive core. That's where he goes. He's steady for you. He can do a little bit of everything. He's not the highest point scorer, but you know what? He can contribute offensively in the correct system. And you know he's, ste- for the most part, stout defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking Patterson's the main piece going back for them. I don't want to lose an asset. I don't, because we really we can't, man. I can't. Mm-hmm bear witness of another Penguins prospect getting sent out in a deal. If they take one, I don't know, let it be a Sam Militech or, or someone down like that. Like Even a Jesper Lindgren, if he's still around, I don't know. The It would be a rough one for the Penguins to pull off. It's very well possible, and everyone's got the right price, but damn, it would be hard. Again, I just don't want to see us lose an asset, that's all. That's a fair point, and honestly, it's probably a pipe dream. I'm sure Ron Hextall's not going to grab Vladimir Tarasenko. I'm sure he's not going to grab Matthew Kachuk, but I could be very wrong. I I don't know. We've only seen one move from Ron Hextall as Penguins general manager, and 
at his end of the season press conference, he said he really liked the team that they had, and he was hoping to try to keep most of them together, maybe switch one or two things, but the offseason is very young. There's a lot of moves to be made, a lot of things to happen. Will Vladimir Tarasenko be part of it? Who knows? We'll have to keep an eye on that. But we're going to take a quick break when we return our interview with Jordan from the Helmet Hair and the Yin's Hers podcast. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are joined now by a very special guest. We want to welcome onto the show Jordan, who is a host of both the Helmet Hair podcast and on the Yin's Hers podcast. Jordan, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's been way too long since I've talked Penguins hockey with anybody, so I am ready to go. Well, we're glad you decided to jump back in with us, and we will have plenty of Penguins talk to come. But before we get into that, I just wanted to ask you, what got you into podcasting in the first place? A little thing called the coronavirus. I um, had a lot of time on my hands and it was something that I wanted to do. So it's not like quarantine sparked this idea in me that I, you know, never had before. But I just would kind of randomly throw out there from time to time different opinions and thoughts and rants that I would have about the Steelers and the Penguins uh, on my Instagram story and I was surprised by the response that it got because I was just doing it for cathartic purposes for myself and maybe to help other fans find solace. And this was like when all of the Le'Veon Bell stuff was happening and Antonio Brown was going off the deep end. Um, but most of the people who responded don't pay attention to sports at all. And they commented on how much they appreciated it. And I realized that I love talking about sports in a way that make other people who might not care about them start to care about them. So it was one of those things where people started saying, you should do a podcast. And I thought, how? And then just over the years, I kind of accumulated different gear and the the right software. And then the pandemic hit and it's like, well, probably now or never. So let's do it. And got into it. And it's been just super fun. It, it's been such a blast. Now, has it been difficult at all for you at breaking into and honestly, absolutely killing it, if I do say so myself, in a predominantly male dominated platform of sports talking, you have just been soaring through it with almost ease? I. I think At least I from the outside, sorry. Yeah, I no, I like I just don't really pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know. I just I see myself as me. So I don't really think that there's anything spectacular about what I'm doing. I'm just mm -hmm. sharing thoughts and things that I notice and observations and opinions. And I always kind of felt like if people enjoy them, great. And if not, they don't have to they don't have to listen to me. It's, it's not a big deal. Uh, and I think that honestly, what has helped me more than anything has been the, the lack of pressure that I've put on myself and on the podcast 
to to really do anything or be anything because it's it it's kind of taken that weight off of me that I know a lot of people do feel where it's it it anything like that comes with the the competitive nature of the business because a lot of the time it can feel like if somebody else is successful then they're taking the success away from you and it's it's tricky as as a woman it is the dynamic there is odd and it's a little off balance but again i just i if people are saying stuff to me i just i don't respond or i um say something back um but try to be kind and then i just ignore them or mute them or something i don't know i just i i know that i'm very sensitive so i take stuff to heart so i just i don't i don't feel like it's worth my time or my emotional energy to to really fixate on that which i would if i let myself um, so it's, I mean, there's been good and bad and challenges and obviously still come with rejection in, in some ways, but I think that honestly, my personal experience has been pretty par for the course as far as what it's been like to, to try to break into this, uh, this industry and be another voice. But I think that it's always it's always an area where we can have more voices uh, because there's room for people in the conversation. Yeah, it's it's good always having you know more voices and extra you know views on things. But one thing that makes you know your shows a little different is that you, from ours at least, is you cover multiple teams. And I just mm. want to know the dynamic of how is what is it like covering multiple teams that are you know in season at different times, and also which team do you have the most fun with when it comes mm. to. Uh, you know, putting it all on recording? Well, the penguins are my favorite. They're my absolute heart. So that as soon as the season started in January, that was really my first extended opportunity covering them in any capacity because they were in the bubble for a week and then they were done. So there, there wasn't a whole lot that happened. That was just, oh my goodness. I had so much fun talking about the penguins, not only on, on my show, but on Twitter too. I just, I really loved getting more plugged into penguins, Twitter and connecting with people who love the penguins because it feels like the, the subsect of Twitter that is all devoted to Steelers fans or and the, the team, like the Steelers fans on Twitter, they're very, very vocal and they're very present all the time. Uh, so it's a little bit harder to find the Penguins fans, but they're the diamonds in the rough, in, in my opinion. But I really enjoyed that. Uh, I, I do love the Steelers. I think that it's that they've been a very up and down roller coaster of a team as of late. So it's been, they've given me a lot more content to complain about than I was <laughs> uh, anticipating. So that, that's kind of been fun in its own right, because I'm not, I'm still emotionally invested in the Steelers, but not nearly as much as the Penguins. Like I think part of why I took most of June off was because I was, just like, ah, uh, I need to recover from that. 
that playoff series that was rough uh and i and the pirates are the pirates so there's really not much to talk about there uh i talked about them a little bit last summer when they started up again because that was really the first live sports that started happening after i launched helmet here so it it's just fun it gives it some diversity and it keeps it from ever not that it, I think it would, but it just keeps it fresh. Like, mm-hmm. and it kind of keeps me on my toes too, because I have to be paying attention to what's going on across not just the Pittsburgh teams, but across all of the professional leagues, um, which I enjoy because I just, I don't know, I think it's so fun. I love doing this stuff. With that, let's jump a little bit more into the Pittsburgh Penguins. You said that they have your heart, and that's what we're here to talk about. And, and- Looking at them, what do you think they're missing to become more of a postseason contender again before the Crosby and Malkin era comes to an end, which we don't know when it is, but it seems like everybody says it's coming to an end soon. So what are they missing right now? The thing that they were missing in the the playoffs was consistent goaltending. And I think, I, I don't know, it's really difficult to say because... You know, looking at the way the regular season plays out from officiating to to standings to to all the different factors that are that are at play at once to the way that the postseason always plays out in the NHL. It just feels like the rule book goes out the window. There's not a salary cap, so teams can get away with a lot more than they could in the regular season. And it's just I don't know. It's a different beast. So it's hard to compare. That being said, I'm going to compare because in the regular season, when both Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith were healthy, if Tristan Jari had a bad game, Sully would sit him, he'd play DeSmith, and DeSmith would play lights out for the most part. He had a really very uh, solid, consistent season. And unfortunately, down the stretch, he just got hurt and he was out and they didn't really have the, the one, two punch. And I think, I don't know, I'm just speculating because goaltender is just such a mental position. And if, if you get in your head, it's just, it, it was always very obvious when Jari was on his game and when he wasn't, because he just looked small in the crease and he was very beatable and he was making stupid decisions. And I think that the, the fact that they didn't have not, not even like, I, I, I know a lot of people are saying that they need to go out and get a veteran goalie mm-hmm. and maybe they do. I don't know, but maybe they don't, maybe they just didn't have that other guy that had chemistry with the team and had experience with the team like Casey DeSmith. And it just, it took a toll on Tristan Jari and on the, what ended up being their season's outcome. I don't know. But other than that, they did play really well against the Islanders. And yeah. down down the stretch of the regular season, they were looking like they were one of the teams to beat. Like, I'm not saying they would have beat the Lightning or... um heck even the canadians who knows but i i think that they were playing that to that level that 
people would have ha had them in that conversation had they had better goaltending. But, oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I hate to pile on the goaltending questions, but since you just talked a lot about mm -hmm. it, I will kind of focus in on one part of this question that I had, which, which is, are you concerned with Tristan Jari um, as the Penguins starter going forward? Yes, I think so. I don't know. I, I try not to get too fatalistic whenever things like that happen. And he, he did not look good. I don't know. It, I'm, if they leave the, if they leave the goalie situation as is, then I will be concerned. I think they need to do something to shake it up a little bit. Um, Maybe not dump him, but maybe not rely on him as the number one guy. I yeah, I I feel like this this season he's really gonna have to bounce back and prove that he is worthy of that role because he had he had some very questionable games, even in the regular season going into the playoffs, where I just think that. They probably need to reevaluate. I I wouldn't say that he's a wash at this point, but is that kind of the trajectory that it looks like he's headed in? Maybe it. Yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm full. I'm completely opposite. I'm fully on board with maybe he can still still cut it. I mean, I again, okay. I'm more of a optimist when it comes to penguins goalies i mean i was on the murray trade until the very last day mm. I, think. I mean it took the bubble playoffs for me i think but um <laughs> you're talking to a guy that's still on the johan hedberg train in Horwath, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah listen if we would have lost in 2016 i wouldn't have been that mad because he was the goaltending coach on san jose that year but mm. um no i'm still on jari's side with this and plus it's according to what management has been saying they're going to be rolling with him anyway I can see where you're coming from with, and I see where everyone's coming from with picking up some sort of uh, veteran backup that can, you know, be more of a one A and one B rather than um, the the actual full on A and B. Mm -hmm. Nice, you got your take. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with Jordan. I think there's something that needs to be changed. I'm not sure what it is. I don't get paid to know what it is, luckily, because I would have no idea what to do. But something in that conversation with Jari and DeSmith, it feels like something needs to be switched up. So I, I agree with you, Jordan, in that, but I just, I don't know that the answer is at this point. I think that Penguins fans just have absurdly high expectations of goalies. <laughs> always. It's, you know, they're always anticipating before they've even given a guy a chance him to come out and be Andre Vasilevsky. And there are very few of those in the world, um, let alone in the NHL, like that's elite level talent and finding that as a goalie that's sustainable, very difficult. Yeah. It's hard whenever this, this fan base watched Tom Barrasso win two in a row up to a weird era of nobodies and then flurry for mm -hmm. three. So yeah. we expect um, stars to be our goalies basically. Yeah. And it's not always Which, easy to find. Yeah. It isn't. And that's okay. As long as you can find like a competent goalie that mm -hmm. isn't going to crap the bed, but unfortunately <laughs> whether or not ours is competent, I don't know, but he did crap the bed. So 
let's talk a little bit about the expansion draft because that is coming up in a less than two weeks at this point. So who do you think the Penguins are going to lose to Seattle when that happens? I'm hopeful, not because I don't like him, but because of what he's making and what he's producing, that it's uh, Jason Zucker. I think that he's been fine for the Penguins, but I, I mean, way better than, you know, Derek Broussard ever was, but he still hasn't ever clicked into place. And that might not be entirely on him because of the amount of injuries that the Penguins have had. And then the line shuffling that they've had to do in response to those injuries, but his looking at all of the other forwards, uh, so it's probably, I'm assuming Seattle's going to take a forward. Uh, they're definitely not going to take our goalie. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be Zucker because he's, he's a really solid, uh, second, third line guy and uh very likable it seems like wherever yeah. he goes people respond really well to him he's got a good locker room presence and um yeah he's a good he's a great great uh teammate like the that was where his value really shone through in the in the types of plays that he would make that weren't flashy but they're blocking the puck and chasing after the puck and hustling and giving that extra oomph to break up a play. Like he, he's really good in that regard. And maybe I'm talking myself out of wanting to see him go. <laughs> I don't, I, I think it'll be him, but we won't, it's, it's hard to say before the uh, protected lists come out. Yeah. And it's harder this year. Cause it's not a certain answer. Much mm -hmm. like it was last time. Yeah. yeah we knew. Yeah. Um, aside from, you know, the expansion drafts taking someone, um, what do you think the biggest move the Penguins make this offseason? And could it be this new development of uh, Vladimir Tarasenko being wanting, uh, you know, wanting out of St. Louis? I didn't know that was a thing. So is he being linked to the Penguins? Yeah, immediately. No, I mean, immediately after it was kind of announced that Tarasenko requested a trade, Pittsburgh was one of the teams tied to him as a possibility. So I don't know if it is actually a possibility, but it has been brought up as one. Well, I wouldn't hate that. Um, <laughs> dang. I'm try like, I know that everybody in, in the Pittsburgh media is really quick to jump on to different, you know, different trains. And I think that, It's really hard to say because this is the first off season that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke are in management with the Penguins. So, and they're, they're really being quiet yeah. about their plans and about their strategy, which I love because uh, everybody could kind of anticipate what Jim Rutherford was going to do there at the end. He was a loose cannon, but a pretty predictable one. Um, I think what the Penguins do with the, the whole 
Mike Matheson, Cody CC situation, because I know Cody CC's contract is up. If they're going to resign him or let him go, Mike Matheson's contract is not ideal, even for as well as he played, in all honesty. And then the other thing that I've been very, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. I'm sort of keeping my eye on it, but with a grain of salt, uh, the situation with Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, because of course, whenever the Penguins fail, those are the the two first guys to, to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, it has never made sense to me. But with with their contracts being close to the end, now it, it at least holds some weight because mm. what do you do with these aging or the aging core in general The that has, you know, seen a first round exit for the last three postseasons. Um, and now I guess I'll be trying to pay attention to what's going on with, with Vlad because that could mm. be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So besides besides that, what are you guys looking for, paying attention to? Oh, definitely, sure. d- definitely looking to see if Hextall and Burke decide to try to extend Malkin or Latang. That's going to be something that initially was on the forefront of my mind going into this offseason. But then there's so many more storylines. As you mentioned, the fact that they've kind of been Fort Knox. They've made basically one move in the six months since they took over. And yeah, it was a good move, but it didn't really tell where they wanted to go in the future with this franchise. So what they're going to do in this offseason, especially with an expansion draft with a lot of a lot of big name free agents and a lot of players on wanting to be on the move, at least with the trade. I'm not sure what's going to happen. The Vladimir Tarasenko thing, the fact that they even tied him to Pittsburgh is interesting. I know coming off of three straight shoulder surgeries is not an easy thing to do, especially when the first two were apparently botched. But I, I think right now all focus is on Seattle, but after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, I can't, also can't think of, I can't think of too many other names specifically that could um, find their way here. Cause I haven't been paying enough attention to it. I've kind of just been waiting for the full off season to actually start. So mm-hmm. Now it's here, and Tarasenko decided to try and steal headlines on the day that the Lightning won. So, <laughs> literally in the middle of the game, too. Yeah, that's I was like, oh, oh wow, okay, well put out by Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic. But uh, to bring it back to a little bit more of a at-home topic, uh, following you this season, there were a lot of jersey purchases. I just want to know how many Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys do you own? Uh, let me do the math really quick. Because <laughs> it it did seem like almost after every game you were like, should I do it? And I was trying to keep track of which times you bought it and which times you didn't. So uh, do do you know how many? I think I bought, I actually bought like two or three jerseys this year. So it was okay. it was a very small percentage of the the mm-hmm. times that I threatened. Um, <laughs> two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen, fourteen, fourteen jerseys. I think you yeah. still have me and Horwat beat combined. I At have least way too many. Jerseys. Yeah, never such thing as way too many. I wouldn't. I would never oh think there's gosh. way too many. Yeah, that I, maybe that's part of the problem for me is that I'm. I say that so I 
sound like I don't have a problem, but I don't mean it. I, <laughs> I never mean that there are too many. Um, Cause that's, yeah, that's not a thing, but yeah, 14, 15, something like that. It definitely did seem like you were on, on path of getting to that during the season, but two, two or three, I, I would say probably two or three is, is about where most Penguins fans that are as avid as you seem to be would be at. But there was, there was a moment there where every game I was like, is she still buying all of these jerseys? I think the, uh, the threat of like the fanatic shop screenshot became a pretty good meme over the course of the year. I think, cause I think I saw a couple people definitely doing it. Yeah, it was, um, it was fun. And I had no idea. It was just another one of those things that like I did it as a joke and then people kind <laughs> yeah. of in, seemed to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So then I did it again and then just kept doing it for the rest <laughs> of the season. And yeah, the, I saw other people posting it and then people would tag me in their, in their screenshots of jerseys in their cart and be like, should I do it? Yes, of course you should. <laughs> what kind of question is that? Um, to follow up on that, which one was your first and which one is your favorite? My first Penguins jersey was a Phil Kessel jersey uh, three, four years ago now, I think. Um, oh, my favorite. <laughs> that's, that's really tough. I think I'm going to have to probably go with either my uh home brandon tan of jersey because i just adore him or the uh reverse retro john marino that i got for Ooh. christmas last year Good yep. answers. definitely yeah. two solid choices yeah they're, they're just so beautiful oh. um Let's see two years next since she said the name. Yeah, I was about to say, if you don't mind me jumping in front of you on this question, I actually had it down here. What is your favorite Brandon Tanev moment? Go ahead. <laughs> I love just the generic moment watching him in warmups, the way that he sporadically and just maniacally skates around the ice and <laughs> doesn't really doesn't really look like he's doing anything specific. He's just going insane i love that and i think the the my favorite moment moment with him was the the sheriff one that was just so good uh and to, the way that it all unfolded and the the he's just so what like his chirps are just next level <laughs> and that oh my goodness it became such a great thing and it felt like it was one of those moments in a season where you win the Stanley Cup and you look back on it as like mm -hmm. one of those cult classic moments. And yeah, that's where we were going. But no, I think I think one of mine that it relates to a win was whenever we won, and he had that he basically punched Crosby in the face. <laughs> uh, that one I loved a lot. Uh, it was great because that's kind of what the emotion was, and that was just a first round victory. So yeah great stuff but now for the rest mm -hmm. of the league and the last question here what uh team are you most and least excited about seeing um like a team that we had that we didn't see last year now that mm. the, everything's back to normal sort of and it's not just division play i'm not gonna lie i'm really looking forward to seeing them play the lightning 
just mm -hmm. because I feel like with how dominant the Lightning have been, that's going to be a really solid test of how relevant the Penguins still are. I think that out of any team in the league, the Lightning are the least beatable, I guess, uh, because they're really good at adapting their play to outplay basically anybody. And that's it, it went to what seven games against the Islanders, but yeah. they still found a way to, to beat them. Uh, and I, I, as annoyed as I am that the lightning won back to back, I don't really have an issue with them as a team. Like I, I think all of the players on their team are really rather likable and they're fun to watch when they are playing a team that's even remotely in their league. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think out West, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play the avalanche at some point because I love Colorado. And I I was really bummed that their season ended the way it did because it looked like they were primed for something really special too. But snow dice for them either, I guess. Yeah, after winning the first six games of the playoffs, especially the way that they dispatched the Blues, extremely easily and what they did to vegas in game one it was kind of almost crazy to see them drop four straight the way they did it was wild now also i think there, there's a little bit of a reason there too is the fact that that's the first time brandon tanev endeared himself to pittsburgh it was his overtime winner back in i think it was what 2019 against the avs you're right yep wow that was a good moment it's a great the, moment the start of it all back in, and realizing that he had the same celly back then as he did in game three of the New York Islanders series. I mean, you just, you love adding the flow and the salad and everything else. So, I mean, just great moments from Brandon Tanev altogether. We obviously, that would probably be the biggest blow to see if he ended up being taken by Seattle. But I don't know. I feel like there's some other players there that are a little bit more desirable for Seattle. Like you mentioned, a, a Zucker. So, Definitely hoping Tanev is able to stay mainly for the mic'd up moments throughout a full season. That's what we want to see. That's right. That's what we live for. <laughs> well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you giving us a, a couple minutes of your time and just let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and what's coming up for you on both of your podcasts. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This was a blast. I had so much fun. Uh, you can find me on twitter and instagram my personal handle is at fidge newton f-i-d-g-e and then my podcast is at helmet here pod and then if you want to follow yinzers you can that's at yinzers with an h and as of right now we're kind of for yinzers getting ramped up for the the preseason training camp uh, Steelers season. Cause we're two months out from that at this point, which is crazy. Uh, so we're just trying to plan and get stuff locked in different events and tailgates and all that good stuff. And then with helmet hair, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to expose myself and my listeners to as much of Pittsburgh as possible right now. So I'm, I'm just kind of 
immersing myself in the food and drink culture and bringing people along for the ride while we have kind of a slow point in, in all of the off seasons minus baseball. So that's kind of what's going on right now. I just, you know, taking it a day at a time, but I appreciate you having me on and letting me talk with you about the penguins. Of course, you're, you're welcome back on the show. Anytime we'll have to get you on uh, during the penguin season. So we can talk about some game action or some crazy thing that Brandon Tanev did the game prior, but Thank you one last time for jumping on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great night. Woo! What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Villapiano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Ham or Pork Roll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you again to Jordan for joining the show and talking a little bit of pending hockey here in the middle of July, the dog days of summer. I, I we can't really say the dog days of summer as far as the NHL is concerned because well, we have the expansion draft coming up next week. We have the NHL entry draft coming up the following week and then we also have NHL free agency starting. So, there's a lot of exciting things to happen as far as the NHL is concerned here in the next couple of weeks. But let's get into our Pens poll from last week. We asked, "Which matchup are you most excited to get back to next season?" Of course, this year in the NHL, the Pittsburgh Penguins only played within their division seven other teams. Next year, you would assume, with an 82-game schedule, the Penguins are going to get back to playing every one of the other 31 NHL franchises. So which matchup, we asked, are you most excited to see? Penguins versus Lightning. Battle of the back-to-backs won the poll at 36% of the vote. Penguins and Hurricanes, a young up-and-coming team, came in second with 29% of the vote. Other, with plenty of comments below, came in with 19. And then Penguins versus Oilers, a little Crosby versus McDavid action, came in fourth with 16% of the vote. I'm just going to mention really quickly some of the other matchups that our listeners brought up. You mentioned the Penguins versus Avalanche, Battle of the Best Friends, Battle of the Matching Golf Shirts, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon going at it. Penguins Capitals was mentioned by Isha. Uh, I know the premise of this was to ignore the teams the Penguins played this season, but Isha defended himself on it. He said, listen, that's just the one I'm excited for. I'm excited to see some Pens caps. So fair enough. We'll let it slide, obviously. And then Penguins Golden Knights was on there a little bit. And then simply put, Man Bear Pigs from our friend at State of Hoppy from the Soda Pod here on the Hockey Podcast Network. So definitely a lot of options here. Horwat, you mentioned Penguins Avalanche. Why are you excited for that? Because the Avalanche are always, always, always a good team. Always. And whatever, I guess I shouldn't say that many always, as they were historically one of the worst not that long ago. But watching them regroup and rebuild into a damn near cup contender every year has been a ton of fun to watch. They're one of those teams that I enjoy watching the Penguins play because the Penguins will play fast and, you know, speedy teams and won't, you know, develop a game with it for some reason it seems like when the penguins play the avalanche at least there's some sort of hey they're playing fast with them mm-hmm. i mean 
uh, Pauly from the Capture podcast can vouch for this. He's seen the Penguins play the, the Avalanche very well. I mean, Horquist put up the fastest hat trick in franchise history against them. So they're always fun matchups. I mean, I think you don't have to look any further than that wasn't the last time we played them, but the first time we played them in the 2019-20 season when it went to overtime with um, Tanev scoring. That game beginning to end was very it looked like the world the world cup games it was quick it was fast-paced and everyone was kind of wanting to contribute their way and you know crosby had an incredible goal that game clearly the game went to overtime and um we shut down mckinnon that game if i'm not mistaken which is hard to do mckinnon got hurt in that's the right. beginning of the game which slowed him down he took a hip check which kind of it looked like he injured his knee a little bit. Yeah. I remember specifically from that game because he was he was flying in the first 10 mm-hmm. minutes. And he did end up scoring a goal, okay. if I remember correctly. But he was slowed down a little bit from that injury. Yeah, that's this just one of those games that are fun to watch. It's not like when we play the Oilers, it's a friggin' gong show half the time. Uh, but, you know, it seems just everyone plays their best game against the Avalanche. I don't know what it is. Also, when it comes to the team I'm least looking forward to seeing again, I have to stick with the... Uh, the uh, Blackhawks because we just can't beat them. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, leave it at that one. Well, I don't know because the last time we faced the Blackhawks, they were not at this stage of the rebuild. Yes, they were on the on the trend downwards, but they were not at the stage where, I mean, I guess they are going to get Jonathan Taves back next season. So that'll add a little bit. We, we don't know how he's going to play after missing all of this year with, with an issue. But honestly, the one I'm least looking forward to getting back are, are kind of the ones that I'm never really excited to watch in the first place. Not that I don't like watching certain teams, but I, I don't want to see Penguins versus Those Ducks. West Coast games, man. Those West Coast yeah, games. It, yeah, but it, at least, yeah, I don't even want to see Penguins versus Sharks because they're in a, in a full rebuild, and the Penguins are probably going to find a way to lose yeah. that game, to be completely honest. But as far as, like, the Kings, I'm excited with. But I voted for... I, I put in for the Penguins Maple Leafs is the one I'm excited to see just simply because when I've gone to those games or when I've been in the city for those games, a lot of Toronto fans make the trip down to Pittsburgh and it's a lot of fun because it's not a hated rivalry, at least not at this point, not really ever, but it's a lot of fun seeing the banter between Penguins fans and Maple Leafs fans. And honestly, probably two of the most ostracized fan bases in the NHL. But it's a lot of fun. They were really nice, the ones that I ran into the last time I went to one of these games. Plus, the teams are both just really, really exciting to watch. So I'm excited for that. But I also agree with the majority of our listeners. Penn's Lightning, especially now with the storyline of you know the only two teams in the salary cap era to go back-to-back. This Lightning team is going to be a lot different next year, but it's still going to be a fun match. It matchup. has to be a lot different next year, or else there might be some more issues to talk about. Also, um, yeah. an answer that I that I completely forgot about and no one remembered Seattle. Yeah. Hello. A whole new team. I think whenever Vegas was coming in, I think that was the most look, the most, the game most looked forward to and not because of the flurry thing, but it, whenever yeah. there's a, I mean, it also was, yeah, but like when there's a new team, we had to play them in Vegas first. So it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a little different. I mean, when there's a new team, you always kind of look at, Oh, there's the, there's the new kids sort of. I mean, there, there's the new organization with all these, you know, guys that are from around the league, and it's weird watching them grow together like that, and then you figure, oh, there's also the one guy that they took from us. 
yeah, no, that's the game you want to watch. So forgot about them going into this question. So that'll be my second answer behind the Avalanche. And then obviously Chicago's last. It will be interesting to see Penguins Hurricanes too, especially because now that's going to be a divisional matchup yeah. again. And the Canes won the Central Division this past season. So now we'll see what happens when they come back into the Metro. The Metro is not going to be an easy division to win. I mean, it never has been. It's going to be hard to even make the playoffs in this division now. And I feel like it's the same way for the Atlantic division. I mean, you look at Florida and Tampa and Boston are all joining back against Ottawa, who's getting better. Montreal just went to the Stanley Cup. Toronto's never an easy out. Poor Buffalo. <laughs> poor, poor Buffalo. They're going to get crapped on. I have a tangent going. Are they, I mean, are they really keeping that to those, the Metro and the Atlantic as is? Because, man. Probably. The fact that, yeah, they're going to go back to the normal. The fact that Florida and Tampa kind of got to fly to Canada to be, in a, to be in their division when there's multiple teams. in, I don't know. It's just a tangent. I could go on for a little while about how that alignment is stupid. It is. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else you really. I know there's want to say about that. I'm fine with, I'm fine with either way. The East is gonna be tough to get out of next year. No, yeah, either way. I, I mean, no matter what way you look at it, the East will be screwed. But uh, you know, that's just a little tangent point of, it's dumb. The NHL is stupid sometimes. Well, I don't think that's ever been said about the Ooh. NHL. <laughs> the smartest referees in the league or in the world, whatever. The, no, best. the best. That's not even just the smartest. The best. We have the best and the brightest in the NHL, which honestly, you do have to cut him some slack, but I wouldn't go as far as to say the best and the brightest. He, he could have politically answered that question so easily, though. Just, yeah, there have been some issues, but for what it is worth, we're doing the best we can. Not even that. Just, yes, there have been some issues. There have been some, you know, question marks, but. We have a good we have a good group and we are confident in our good group. Boom! Just a Sidney Crosby answer. Just we have a good group of guys. Uh, we're confident in our group of guys and we go out there and we do our thing. That's all you had to say. Not yeah. this extra bullshit. He went out and gave the Nikita Kucherov answer. I have comments on Kucherov. We will get to at a future at oh, a future yeah. episode. On a future episode, yeah, I have comments. We'll get to on that as well, but. Do you have anything else, Horwat, about any of these matchups that, that you want to see? Any of these matchups that, you know, what you're excited for in any of them? Um, Just to travel again, I think. That's the big one. Mm -hmm. Clearly the new team will be fun. Uh, watching Seattle play their first season will be interesting. There's, I mean, anytime a new team comes into the league, it's, like I said, it's always just fun watching them grow together as a team, watching them play. They're, I mean, is the NHL really forcing this rivalry between them and Vancouver? It's kind of a natural rivalry considering how close they are. I'm excited to see Seattle versus Vegas. Yeah, is that game outdoors Battle yet? Battle of the expansion teams. Is that game outdoors No, yet? it's not the outdoors The expansion yet. classic. I've been saying it ever since Seattle was gifted a team. I said, all right, that, there goes Vegas' first outdoor game. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. No, Vegas already had an outdoor game. They played it like Yeah, then, and then, then a pandemic happened. So hear me, hear yeah. me out on this. Okay. <laughs> forgot about that plus that game was a that game was shambles yeah yeah they tried though <laughs> they, they tried they tried to do something they tried well that's gonna do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg again a big thank you goes out to jordan from the helmet hair and the yins hers podcast for joining the show we will be back on thursday with a new episode and our seattle mock draft 3.0 for the pittsburgh penguins our final one 
before the protected rosters go in later on this week. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you to everybody that tuned in. Make sure you go and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Go check out our YouTube channel where our pens, polls, and our shoutouts and callouts will now be going every week. So at least two videos up on our YouTube channel a week now. But like I said, that's all for this one. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.